All right, today we're going to uh, talk about unified division. When you're multiplying community, there's such a thing as unified division. When we talk about division in churches, usually what we're talking about is church splits. I think about that, and that's not what we're talking about today. But I do want to describe it just a little bit, because some of you may have a tendency to, uh, all of us have a tendency to be moving in a certain direction that ultimately results in church splits. And that is that we come into, into a church with, uh, with what the church can give to me on our minds, and if I can get my way on our minds, and honestly, for most of my, uh, well, not now most of my ministry, I guess, well, I don't know. Yeah, probably still most of my ministry. Uh, most of my experience in church has been in churches like that. And unfortunately, the church uh, government also lent itself to increase that, that in people. Like we, we had a congregational government, which uh, I have discovered since then is not a biblical form of government where everybody in the church has a vote and the majority wins or rules which means that every time somebody votes, everybody's got an opinion and they're thinking about, you know, they, and they start to get more and more attached to their opinion and then their, and, and their thought. And if they're not seeking the Lord, then we're not all on the same page, which is usually the case, right, in a congregation. There's always, we're all different levels spiritually, but there's always a day or two days or three days or typically Wednesdays uh, in a business meeting when everybody seems to be on the uh, you know in the flesh and we all come in together and we've talked about what we want how we want to vote and we we make a decision we pull our sides together we make our our uh argument for our point and then we either win or lose and in congregations a lot of times uh, a large portion percentage of the congregation loses every time there's a vote so that's congregational government and that's the way we did it for years uh, because that's the way Baptists did it for years. So we just learned from history, and we maintained and continued to pick up what, the way our parents did things, and we voted that way. Now, that's not to say that there can't be votes in the church that can, that can lead a congregation to experience God in a miraculous way. I and mean, the truth be known that if a church could, if everybody, everybody votes every time we make a decision, if you know about the decision, you, you make a vote internally, right? And, and if the church could all come together, if everybody was seeking the Holy Spirit about all the things that we're doing and hearing the Lord, then when the, when the decision is announced uh, or voted on by the church like it does every time we vote on a budget and, the, and everybody in the church says y yes and there is no division in the congregation regarding that, then that's a beautiful thing. That's an encounter with God. And everybody is on that encounter, is, is on that, that journey together. But church splits typically happen because somebody wants their way and somebody else wants their way. Well, it's the same thing in church planting, you know, and, and multiplying community. When we get into communities that there's, uh, there's going to be people who want things to be done a certain way. And sometimes you'll get some people with some pretty strong opinions that will come into the congregation and they will want things their way. And, and so what do you do when the potential of division comes, and, 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 uh, but, but everybody is surrendered to the Holy Spirit, and there's two different directions going on. Okay, there's a way to do that that the Bible describes for us. The story today in Scripture is going to teach us how multiplied community involves unified division. That is, we're unified in some ways, and yet we still divide. But it's done by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's done as we surrender to the Holy Spirit. Case in point, when we started, uh, when I came on as pastor of Donahue Family Church back in the day, uh, before the gathering place was, uh, was formed out of that experience, um, I had, as most of you know, we had planted uh, Harvest was our church. Harvest Celebration was our initial church. And uh, their pastor was very, very prideful. And, and it was hidden. 
in his heart, and that guy is me. So I'm not gossiping. I'm <laughs> talking about myself. And, and I didn't know about it. And so God united us with Donahue Family Church, and it took four years for God to get the, that horrible pride out of my life. And I still have some. But the, the bulk of it that was going to hinder us from being able to be this church was removed uh, during that uh, surgical procedure that lasted four years. And I have apologized and will apologize again to all the rest of you that had to endure that. Um, but I'm sure you had your own surgeries as well. But what, after we came out of that, you know, I was so, uh, then God gave me a nine-month rest where I spent nine months on the porch of my house, literally. <laughs> I didn't sleep out there, but I spent a lot of hours on the porch of my house. I, I, I love that porch. Uh, me and God had moment after moment after moment where God was just dealing with me and would not let me go back to work and had provided for us financially in such a way I didn't have to go back to work for those nine months so I could just focus on my relationship with him. And what, had, what I had always enjoyed with the Lord, not always, but since 88, had begun to enjoy with the Lord when I started understanding how to walk, that, that God wanted a relationship with me instead of just religious activity. I could now enjoy only that. I didn't have to worry about anything else. I didn't have to worry about leading a church, making decisions for a church, have, building something, having people put pressure on me to be something. I just rested for those nine months. That was an important part in, in my uh, spiritual journey, one of the most significant things. I came out of that with a desire uh, to pastor, uh, with a call to pastor, and to pastor in a different way. Well, part of that journey... I shared with uh, Dennis Dunn, who's a pastor of, who's the head football coach at Pineville High School, and the pastor of uh, River Outreach Center. And Dennis and I were, became very close uh, when, when I was a member uh, before I became pastor of Donahue. And so Dennis and I spent, in, in Talitha and Melanie, we, we spent hours together. Uh, we, you know, when I wasn't on the porch, I was on their back porch. And we were just sharing the things the Lord was teaching us and how God was growing us and celebrating uh, the potential and possibilities of what God could do in a church that just obeyed what the Lord said, just followed his will. And we, we celebrated that together and talked about it together. And Dennis was, was one of the strongest encouragements to me during that time. He was an elder at, the, at, at Donahue Family Church, and I wasn't going to church at the time, to that church. We were, we were serving in other places. Uh, and so, uh, when, when I came to, when they called me to pastor Donahue and, and I, uh, agreed to do that, I agreed with, you know, with an understanding that, um, that I would do what I'm doing here, that this vision, God had given me a vision to, to just be a church who, uh, walked in grace obeyed what, what, uh, God told us to do and that we would start from scratch and whatever God said we would do. It would be more missional, less self-centered, spending our money outside. All the d distinctives that we now share at the gathering place were distinctives that God gave me. When I presented that to the elders, the elders were, I, I said, I, I will be your pastor if I can do this. And they were all on board, and so off we go. That's where we really got started. Um, it wasn't long after we, after we planted that that Dennis and I had to have a hard discussion one day. It was some, it was a... a yeah, it was a, a tough, tough experience for me because Dennis had been such a support for, for me during that time, and now he was one of the elders who was behind me at, the, at uh, Donahue Family Church who would, that would soon be the, the gathering place. And so Dennis was backing me up. He was behind me, and we'd share so many moments with the Lord together. I know that Dennis was one of the ones that got it. He was one of those guys that he pursued the Lord. He went after God. His, his, whatever he did with the Lord, was he obeyed because he wanted to know God. And, and we shared that, and we were enjoying that together as a, as a church, really, in his backyard for all, all that time. We were sharing that. And then Dennis came one day and said, man, I really feel called to go back to my roots, which was more of a charismatic background. Assembly of God was his, was his background growing up. He says, I really, I've been praying about this. I feel like something's missing for me. 
And, and, and so he and I started having these discussions about how, you know, I would share with him what the Lord was telling me, and it was a different direction than that. That, if anything, the Lord was moving us out of the more demonstrative types of gifts because they were being a distraction for our congregation. And Dennis was, share, was saying that he was really feeling led to, to go more into that. And so we, there, was, it was a, there was a time of just of us struggling with that um, and just praying and seeking the Lord, but struggling, struggling, struggling with that. And then finally, uh, the day came when Dennis said, I, I have to go. And, and uh, you know, we hugged each other. We love each other. I've always been supportive of him, always been a backer of, of Dennis Dunn, still to this day, send people to his church. Um, I know he sends people to us as well. And we have a, a, a strong unified relationship because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives and because of our surrender to the Holy Spirit and our determination to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit says. That's what happens next in the book of Acts. You know, if I didn't share that story from, and I'm I'm having another one, by the way, right now (laughs) that I can't share yet. I'm having another experience like that right now that I can't share. Um, it's not with anybody in this congregation. I'll let y'all know that. All right, but I'm, I'm struggling with someone who's like-minded, who's pursuing the Lord. Sometimes in your, in your total, absolute surrender to the Holy Spirit, when you're multiplying churches, it may come to the point where there's, there is a, a person who is going after God, pursuing the Lord, who understands and agrees with the things that you agree with, but then there comes a point where there's a division that for whatever reason, call it the flesh or call it the spirit, division begins to happen where two bodies or two members of the same family or two people who are, who are pursuing God together end up having to pursue God apart. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a God, it's a God blesses it because God works all things out uh, together for those who are called according to his purpose. All things for for good. Even even a division that happens when we're pursuing the Lord. Even if it happens to be that that division happens over a flesh experience. God still works it for good. Because none of us are perfect in our following the Lord. None of us are perfect in our surrender to God. And so in the text today, we have an an unusual experience and a a difficult text to to, uh, unfold, but we're going to unpack it today just quickly. It's not a lot. It's not a long passage. But I hope you guys can can really grab the, the, the meat of this, and then we'll make some principles, talk about four principles at the end, at least four, that we can apply to our own personal lives as as we are part of a community that divides us maybe from family, from friends who are moving a, a certain direction, or maybe that as we com- continue to multiply community, that some of you will be leaders in, in getting out of here and going to a new location, and, and you're going to come into contact with people who are experiencing the same thing, pursuing the same God but having different focuses in what we do. So it picks up in verse 36 of chapter 15, where we left off last week. After some days, and this is some days, by the way, after uh, Paul and Barnabas have already met with the church, remember, and, uh, to, to bring us back up to date, they had met with the church in, uh, that had sent them out, um, and I can't think of the name of the church, so what is it? Pause, pause, pause. Antioch, the church that had sent them out, that was just brain going dead for a minute. Uh, they met with the church at Antioch, and they, they had these, these Jews who were holding on to some of the old ways, remember? And they came to, to uh, Paul and Silas and asked them, what do we do? And so they go to Jerusalem, and they meet with the elders, and they make a decision led by the Holy Spirit to include four of the old rules in order to keep the body unified. So it's all about unity at this point, right? There's some differences, but the body is still unified. So we're continuing that theme here. 
when we come to this division that happens uh, with Paul and Barnabas. All right, so after some days then, after that encounter, and they wrote the letter and sent it out to the churches, brought it back to Antioch. Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. All right, that's our text for the day. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but it's going to be good. God's, God is using it already um, in, in the life of his body. So first of all, let's not miss this point. They maintained relationships with the cities that, where they had proclaimed the word of the Lord. Part of multiplying community for us is going to be however we do it. When we're surrendered to the Lord, he's not going to allow us to go and plant a church and then just take our hands off of it. One of the principles that God has taught us already at the gathering place and that this passage reinforces is that concept that when God called Aaron and I to go to Honduras and to have that meeting, uh, that first group meeting, we saw God already establishing a means by which we could maintain a relationship. It's what he does. Uh, we didn't go to Ruston to meet with a group of people to not maintain a relationship there. And we're not going to go anywhere where God doesn't have us maintaining the relationship. That's why we do mission trips to support our missionaries in, in, uh, up in, in Alaska and Uganda. We've made trips to our missionaries because we're not going to start something and not continue to support it. Uh, not that the Lord might not ever lead us not to do that, but typically we should all automatically assume that when we go to multiply this community in another place, who better than us to continue to maintain that and make sure that the message is continue, continues to be spoken the way that it was presented. Uh, so I went back to Honduras this summer. I didn't plan that trip. Uh, I wasn't expecting to do that when we went the first time. But as the elders began to discuss this concept of those churches taking on gathering place distinctives, I wanted to make sure and felt led to make sure that our leader over there understood those principles. I feel what Paul's feeling. I feel responsibility and excitement and, all, you know, and, and, and have that desire to go and check and see how things are going with the expect full expectation that it's going to be good. So they maintained the relationship. And by the way, they did that even though they had appointed elders in all those cities. All right? I have maintained, tried to maintain a relationship with the uh, lead elder of Gathering Place Wardville, and God has blessed that. All right, I've been able to, uh, because Zach is open to it, uh, not only are we maintaining a relationship, but he has asked me if I would mentor him. That's such a blessing to me. And so, over the, you know, there are times when we just we talk about how are we doing in our distinctives. In fact, it's the last three weeks, we have just had some really, really wonderful, uh, heartfelt. Uh, meetings together talking about our distinctives because now he's been living it out for two years and it's so much more meaningful to him, so much more personal. Now he understands them at a whole different level than he did when we had our meetings prior to appointing him, our, our uh, appointing elders and, and appointing him as the pastor of that church, putting our blessing on him in, in that service that we did together. Um, that's beautiful. So it's a great experience for us to share that together. But there are elders in these places. So Dario is an elder for us in another place. And we, we meet with the elders. Even though we place elders there, it doesn't mean that we don't maintain that relationship. So they did it even though elders had been appointed. Uh, they did it to see how they were doing and maintaining their commitment to what the Holy Spirit had spoken. And they also did it, by the way, regardless of the fact that they had faced opposition and threats of death in the places where they had planted churches. Remember, Paul and Barnabas went back 
to the places that, where the lynch mob came from to kill them that had stoned Paul and left him for dead. They went back, and they're going back again in the face of that. All right, so they maintained the relationship. Second thing I know, uh, that we need to see in this is that Barnabas wanted to take with them John Mark. Uh, or John, who's also known as Mark. And, and here's, here's the deal about that. Uh, Barnabas, remember, was described in Scripture as a man of good report. He had a good reputation uh, in the community. And he also was a man who was seen to be and, and recognized to be full of the Holy Spirit. So John hasn't lost his, I mean, Mark hasn't lost his touch, or John hadn't lost his, excuse me, lost his touch. He is still a man of great reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. And so his desire to take John Mark with him is a desire that came from the Holy Spirit. I believe that. So, so why is there division? Well, we're going we're gonna to mess with this a little bit. But, but here's one thing about John that we know. I mean about Barnabas that we know. Barnabas is also, what does his name mean? Encourager. Barnabas is, is encourager, so that, and that is his reputation. Barnabas is this guy that's always encouraging folks. He was, so he's being led by the Spirit to, to do what, the, what the God has called him to do and, and what is even in his name to be, and that is to encourage John Mark. All right, so why wouldn't he feel the Holy Spirit leading him to do that? That's his calling. That is his gift. He has the gift of encouragement. The Holy Spirit has filled him to do that. So he wanted to take with him John Mark. Take him with him. Mentor him. Build him up, you know. Uh, make him, make him uh, strong in the Lord. But next thing we see is that Paul was called by the, uh, that Paul had some opposition to that. Now remember, Paul was called by the Lord in a miraculous uh, way to be God's mouth, man, to be the preacher, to be the risk taker, to be the one that's up front, the D personality, get it out there and get it done, task-oriented for the sake of God, called to do that, gifted to do that. Immediately, the Bible says, when Paul was converted, he began to go to the synagogue and preach that Jesus was the Christ. That's boldness. He's always had boldness. It's who he is. It's who God created him to be. He was going to be the man preaching the gospel. Look at what God said to Ananias in, in, after Paul, uh, when he told, before Paul's heal, eyes were healed, after he had his encounter with, with Christ on the Damascus Road. Look at what God told Ananias in preparation for, for Saul coming to him. In verse 15 of chapter 9 of Acts. You'll remember that the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to do what? To carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Listen, his call was to suffer. Right? It was clear from the call of Paul that his determined purpose by the Lord was to proclaim the name of Christ to everybody regardless of whatever suffering he might face. And you, we find Paul being faithful to that to the very end of his life. It's who he is. So when Paul is following the Holy Spirit, when he is surrendered to the Holy Spirit, Paul doesn't have time for anything but just doing what the Holy Spirit's called him to do. He is task-oriented, depersonality, preacher for God, going everywhere to preach the gospel in the places that other people wouldn't go. So he was led by the Holy Spirit to go back to the churches and, and risk his life again, checking on churches to make sure that they were walking according to the Spirit. This is God. The Holy Spirit is still working. He's moving in both of these men. They are unified in their call, in their commitment, their surrender to what God has called them to do as a part of multiplying the community around the world. Y'all with me? So they're unified. They're unified. Surrender to the Holy Spirit, both of them. Surrender to the, the Holy Spirit's gifting in their lives to, to walk those things out in their lives. So it makes sense that they would have a little opposition here because Paul is remembering 
what happened that we read a few weeks ago in chapter 13. Remember that, that John was with them uh, when they went to Cyprus because that's where John was from. John and, uh, and Barnabas are cousins. And so they both came from Cyprus, and when they went to Cyprus, the Bible told us that John uh, attended to their needs, that John was there helping them also. He was, he was working with them. And remember that uh, it was during that time that uh, uh, the first convert, Sergius Paulus, the governor, became a believer, and, and there, was, there was that uh, magician that was Elymas that was, that was opposing them. That's, that was John was there with them. But look at what it said. After all that happened, look at what it said that John did in chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. Now Paul and his companions, after that encounter in Cyprus, set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on to Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. So John Mark left Paul and Barnabas when they started heading out to these dangerous areas, these places where, you know, I, I don't know how this all went down, but here's, here's what I know about what we can definitely safely uh, think, uh, feel, uh, figure out about John is that John had an issue with where they were heading. Matter of fact, he even had an issue of staying in Cyprus after um, Paul had caused the, uh, the magician to lose his sight, hearing. He cursed him. And now who knows what's going on here. He just had this weaker disposition. Right? He's like, I'm not staying here and they're leaving. I'm not going to stay here and take the brunt of all this. People like that magician. He does a lot for people in this town. I'm not staying here and dealing with that. So I'm going back to Jerusalem where all the elders are, where all the apostles are. I'm going to go hang out where thousands of people had come to Christ, where there were thousands of people who were, who were you know, yeah, they were opposed, but even the government couldn't do anything to them because there were so many of them. They were afraid of saying anything against, doing anything against them. He, go, he runs to Jerusalem. And so Paul, in this moment, he's thinking, I got a task I'm called by God to do, and I need, I need some warriors with me. I need some men who are willing to risk their lives, take the chances, and Barnabas is my man. He's already been with me on the first missionary journey, and now it's time to go again. Barnabas, let's go, man. We're going to go back, and we're going to encourage all those guys again. Uh, yeah, man, we don't care about our lives, but hey, let's take John Mark with us, and Paul says, wait a minute. That's not going to be helpful to us. That's going to hinder our cause. And the task, the D personality task person says, you know, that's, that's going to be a hindrance to us. No, we're not going to take John Mark. And so they have a dispute because Mar uh, Barnabas can't just let him go. It's his gift. It's his calling to invest in while we're building the church that I invest in people who are who have been weak and now are strong and are wanting to be stronger. I, I need to mentor him. I need to take him with me, let him see, have these experiences. I want him to grow into his ministry with us. And so there's a division that's going on because both of these guys are pursuing the Lord and they're unified in their surrender to the Holy Spirit and they have to work out this struggle that they're having together. And it's a tough situation. It's hard because... Paul knows what he needs, and Barnabas is what he needs. Paul knows what he doesn't need, and John Mark's not what he needs. And Barnabas knows I, I need to spend time developing him. He got, brought him into my life, and, and we've already talked about that experience, and he's ready to try it again, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help him. We're going to take it slow, but we're going to move in the direction that God has us. because I'm, I'm going to give him the grace that God gave to me. And so both of these men are walking in God's plan. They're going to be very effective in the ministry that God has them to, has them called to. And so they have the dispute. The encourager wanted to give John Mark another opportunity to grow. The risk-taking missionary wanted to make sure whoever he brought would be reliable. Dispute happens, right? A pretty harsh dispute, struggle. But listen, the dispute that they had was not like two people wanting their way. Okay, can y'all see that? 
This is not like two people wanting to, their opinion, to have their vote and getting a bunch of people on their side. This is two men following the call of God on their lives and trying to make sense of what the Holy Spirit was doing. And they're having a sharp dispute about what they should do with John Mark. So what happens? John Mark, Barnabas takes John Mark and they go back to Cyprus. They go back home to their hometown, place where they know people. Remember our, our, our sermon a few weeks ago when Barnabas, uh, we, we said, you know, the first stop is your hometown. That spoke to a lot of you. Your home church, your home people. Going back and sharing this message about, about Christ and the, the intimacy that we share with him with the places that are still stuck in religion. So Barnabas is going back there, and, and he would continue to encourage John, and John would become stronger because because. Barnabas didn't give up on him. Barnabas develops him, and they go to Cyprus, and then they move forward. And, and, and not only does Barnabas continue to be a tremendous impact, uh, give, make a tremendous impact for the kingdom of God and the places where he goes, but he also trains up a John Mark who eventually gets it and is willing to risk all for the sake of the kingdom of God. He begins to know God in a way that causes him to be a, a, a potential servant with Paul, the missionary, the risk-taking missionary. And he is that servant. Look at a couple of passages. and One is Colossians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, where Paul says this, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instruction, if he comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. Look, look at this. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So here is John Mark now making the top three people in Paul's life because of unified division. Had that not happened, John Mark wouldn't have had this encounter. And God knew it, so the Spirit led them. They just had to make sense of where's this dispute coming from. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for my ministry. <laughs> so he's making an appeal for somebody who can be a help to him, and he asks for John Mark. All right, that's just a great story. Such a great story for us to hear as we begin to multiply community, that there are going to be people, there are going to be times where you're going, to, you're going to be going after God and somebody else is going to be going after God and you're going to end up being unified in that, surrendered to the Holy Spirit, but you're going to find yourself divided in some way. And we just need to learn to recognize what I don't even think Paul recognized at the moment. I think Barnabas probably had a better chance of recognizing this than Paul did because he's a D-type personality, task-oriented, and task-oriented people leave people behind. That's what they do. Naturally, it doesn't mean they always do that. When you get spirit, filled with the Spirit, sometimes they think about people. Right? But task-oriented, driven men of God going after the goal, risking their lives, risk-takers. But ultimately, because they divide and go opposite ways, Silas gets to, gets to walk with Paul, and he grows in his relationship, and he's, he's one of those probably kamikaze guys that said, hey, I'll go risk my life, let's go. You know, I'll go with you. Yeah, I heard about John Mark. Let's mean you go, man. I'll go with you. And, of course, it just grows those who are out there sharing the message of Christ. So that's the story. Two stories. Now let's just let's stop for a second and we'll be done. And, and let's take from this passage a few principles that I think we can use to join the Holy Spirit as he multiplies community here. As he starts multiplying this community, as we start doing community well, which we are doing, as we, we continue to do community well and surrendering ourselves to the Holy Spirit, allowing him to, to build what he wants to build here, and we take these distinctives and principles that we're learning from the book of Acts that God's giving us on what it means to, to be a community, and we begin to bless others with that. What are some principles we can learn? Well, first of all, we're all called to be a part of multiplying community. Okay? 
Paul and Barnabas, there was no doubt about that. They were called to be a part of that. But so was the church at Antioch. There was no doubt. Everybody was called to be a part of multiplying the community. All right, so first of all, the church at Antioch, what did they do? What's their part? They sent out Paul and Barnabas. They, they uh, came together and prayed for them and supported them and sent them out. And, they, and when they came, then they uh, make regular trips back to Antioch to give reports and, and receive more support and be sent out. And there are times when, when support is brought to them so that they continue the work that God's called them to do. You know, I made an announcement last week that we need to be thinking about our, our giving in this church. We never talk about giving, but I definitely feel like this is one, one way I need to talk. Is as we begin to, to move outside of these four walls, it's not cheap. It costs us money to get out there. And, and so, you know, we know it costs $600 for Honduras a month now. And we made that commitment. But there's more money involved in that. There's a lot of of giving that needs to happen from this body. Y'all with me? Sacrificial giving. That's what we see in the book of Acts. So let's just, let's remind ourselves of what these churches are, are experiencing as they surrender themselves to the Holy Spirit. And that is that they are all, every one of them. The, the scripture says all the way through Acts chapter 5, I think, is the, is the place where you know, it, it just makes this generic statement. It says that all who had received him were of one accord and they were uh, sharing their possessions, selling their possessions, giving to each other as they had need. Let's don't write ourselves off of that. You know, we don't talk about tithing here because it's an Old Testament concept. You know what a New Testament concept is? Sell your possessions and give it to people. Now, I'm not saying that God wants everybody here to go sell your possessions. Right? But I'm just saying, let's, what we're not saying is that you don't have to tithe. You can just give 5%. <laughs> I'm just thinking, if, if that's what you're thinking, you're missing the point. You can give all if you want to. That's the point. And God will still take care of you. It doesn't matter. That, and don't think that God's not going to challenge you in your finances. That That is a... That is, the love of money is the root of all evil, according to Scripture. And if you don't put your money out there in front of God and say, it's yours, uh, then, then you don't, you, you're fixing to have some hard lessons in life. Because God wants, doesn't want that money ruling you. All right? But we don't preach uh, prosperity gospel here. We preach give it all. Be the widow. Put the might, the last that you have in the plate or whatever. Give it all and watch what God does. I also encourage you to give to other things and other people outside of the, the offering here. Man, please do that. But, here, but, but you know what we've learned? Is that you can give all of your offering here and give in addition to that to something else as God leads and still have more than enough. Matter of fact, it opens up the door for God to bless you in ways that you've never experienced before. You, you begin to see that God is your provision. When you risk it all, just put it out there. So I challenge you guys not to, not to give more. I challenge you to ask God to lay it all before the Lord and say, my salary is yours. What do you want me to do? God may have some of you reducing your, the size of your house. He may have you selling your car and getting something that... That doesn't cost you as much. He may have you selling some of your possessions because they're taking a lot of your time and money. And then he might just leave you like you are and say, thanks for asking. Right? He wants access to you. Not so he can prove, not so he can take all your stuff away. On the other side of you dedicating your money and your stuff to the Lord is the biggest blessings that, that any man will ever experience. Satan knows that, and that's why the love of money is the root of all evil. So you're going to experience it at some point in your life. My encouragement to you is, here's the time right now. Why, you know, it's crazy to me that we are now becoming more missional. Y'all with me still? Don't miss the point. We're, becoming, we're multiplying community, and God's telling us to multiply community. And this week, our, our checking account got down to $24 at the gathering place. We didn't go in the red. 24 bucks is in our offering plate. I mean, it's in our checking account. 
I'm fine with it. You know, but, but I'm not fine with us not asking the Lord as ascending church who's multiplying in other communities, not asking God if we should give more and own less, whatever. All right? So just put it out there before the Lord. I think we need that challenge out of this message. You know, the church at Antioch, they, everybody, nobody is exempt from multiplying. You may not have to move out of this town, but you, you, you are part of multiplying this community. I hope you care enough about what the Lord's done in your I hope you're motivated from your heart to give this to other people because that's what we're doing. There's, there's no coloring it a different way in the places where we go. We are giving away what you got. You are giving away what you got through the people that we send out, okay? But also, let me just say again, some of you need to go. That's hard for me to say on a week when we had a, when we got $24 in the bank. But I made that decision two years before we ever started this church. Because I sat in a conference where J.D. Greer, our new Southern Baptist Convention president, uh, said, uh, being a sending church, I know what some of you pastors are worried about. If you start talk, talking to people about going out and serving the Lord in other places, then what's going to happen is the people that will do that are your best people. And he's right. That's what, exactly what I was thinking. It's going to be the people that love the Lord the most that would be willing to uproot their family, sell their house, sell their cars, do whatever, and move to another location and look for a job and, because God calls them to go. God would be a little bit crazy too. Right? But, and on the heels of a $24 week, uh, it's hard for me to say this, but I'm going to say it because I trust the Lord. Go. God tells you to go, go. You, we're going to be fine here. You do what the Lord tells you to do. So if God's been challenging you in that and you haven't included yourself in that challenge, I've said it twice, Will said it strongly. You, you need to hear it and go where the Spirit tells you to go. That's part of being surrendered to the Spirit. We need some more Pauls and Barnabases and Silases and John Marks out there that are willing to go. And go as you are. You don't have to be strong to go. John Mark went. He went. And he was weak when he went. Too weak for Paul, but strong enough for Barnabas. So we're called to be a multiplying church, multiplying this community. And, and let me say again, Paul and Barnabas were equally committed to the task of multiplying. And we need to all be equally committed to this task. We all need to ask the Lord to help us to be. Let me, let me say that because you don't need to go out of here saying, I need to be. You just need to be, okay? And then let the Lord make you what he wants you to be in this, in this area of multiplication. But you all have a part. Number two, second principle, we need to be responsible and faithful to our specific leading from the Holy Spirit. Paul was called to be the upfront, in-your-face, bold leader preacher. Barnabas was called to be a mentor, relational, committed, encourager. And so you don't need to be me, and you don't need to be anybody else in this church. You don't need to be this person that probably you have put up in your mind that you wanted to be or felt like you needed to be all of your life. Just be you, and it will be enough. Look at it again in verses 39 and 41. Paul and Barnabas being themselves, fulfilling their call. And Barnabas is not doing what Paul did, and Paul's not doing what Barnabas did. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and went to Syria, through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we need to be responsible and faithful to our specific call and giftings. Whatever the Holy Spirit has gifted you and called you to do, be faithful to that. It's enough. It's enough. You don't have to go across the sea. You don't have to uproot your family and move somewhere else. If God's call is for you to be here, then be here. But be the best here you can be. Right? Let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit fill you and be a, start making yourself aware of the people that are around you and ask the Lord to multiply this congregation because God knows if some of you take the call and get out of here, we need some people to fill these seats and to come in here and help us to do ministry. Not just anybody, those people that God puts in front of you that would be like-minded and 
walk in these uh, distinctives with us. All right, number three. We need to be good with not being like someone else and with separating from those things that contradict with God's specific call for us. We need to be good with not being like someone else. That kind of fits the other one. But also uh, with not being like someone else uh, or with separating from those things that contradict with God's call for us. It was hard for me to be okay with Dennis going somewhere else. That was a hard thing for me. It was hard for me to be okay with, with separating from something, someone that I love so much, someone that had been so supportive of me, someone who I knew would be a, such a big help to me as we move forward. But it contradicted with God's specific call for him and with God's specific call for me. And so it meant I had to separate myself from that. And we don't need to worry about that or be uncomfortable with that. Some of you are still uncomfortable with us separating from traditional-minded uh, church, with a traditional way of doing church. We're, you're uncomfortable still with us pursuing the Lord rather than following a list of rules. You, know, you might be a little uncomfortable with us not, not uh, doing verse-by-verse studies all the time through the Bible or not you know, using the, saying the Greek said from the, from the pulpit because you might be stuck in a, in a heady kind of religion still or you might not be okay with us uh, not having more demonstrative uh, experiences with the Holy Spirit week to week in our church because that's your background but we need to be able to be okay with separating from those things that contradict God's specific call for us so that make that means hard decisions sometimes but they did it here by the, by the, uh, because they were unified in their surrender to the Holy Spirit. All right, number four, last thing. We need to not judge someone because they're led a different way than us. God uses all kinds of people and all in different kinds of methods. This has been a week of us learning. Um, the 29 people that I've been meeting with this week, when we met, most of the people that I met with this week there has been an issue with us judging somebody else. This is the week that God wants us to learn. Get it in our minds that there's something better on the other side of judgment. If we will let judgment go, if we will work with God, I've been at it for eight months now. I'm starting to get it. (laughs) All right? But, man, if you just get on the other side of judging other people, then it's going to be such a better experience for you in life. Like for me, for instance, my big judgment was walking into church every Sunday. Who's not here instead of who's here? And who's here and how are they really participating? Or are they are disconnected? Are they really being a good Christian? Are they on time? You know, I, I, that killed my Sunday mornings. I'm so glad, so glad that God was faithful to take that out of my life. As much as I love you, I don't care where you are. You have, you have a relationship with Christ. I know that. You have a great opportunity here to grow and to be strong in the Lord. But you know what? I'm not going to let that bother me if you're not. I'm going after God. I'm done with that. And there's such a, I'm, I feel like a big burden's been lifted off me. When I walk into this building on Sundays now, I'm just so excited to encounter the Lord and see what God's doing in your life. And, and you respond better because you're not being judged by me. It's been crazy. I wish I learned that years and years ago. But here's what, we do, what we're still bad about at the gathering place. We think we're better than other people. We think we're better than other churches. We're, we think we're better than those people who are surrendered to the Holy Spirit, who are really trying their best to surrender to God, and they're, they're going a different direction than we're going, and they're in a different denomination or a different church, and, and, and we think we're better. And we, I, I think a big lesson for us out of this is that Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas were both pursuing the surrender to the Holy Spirit. They were both going to be used greatly by the Lord, and they went different directions. Y'all with me? Let's just release people. Okay, let's just release people. We don't have to be like anybody else, okay? That's principle number three. But principle number four is if they're not like us, we don't have to judge them. They don't have to be like us. Let them go. You know, as God gives you opportunities to bring wanderers out of bondage to legalism, that's beautiful. 
But there are some people that are out of bondage to legalism and they have to function in a body that's not. That's like a Paul who's going to a hard place and risking everything to speak to people who may not receive him and may actually kill him. And yet he's still going to them. Right? Be, be blessed that you get to be a part of this right now. But certainly let's don't judge people who are not doing the same thing we're doing because it's pretty obvious that there can be unified division, right? All right, I hope that means something to you today. We are experiencing that. Pray for me right now as we move forward in some of these places uh, that God's called us to, to move into. Find your place, be a part, minister, give, bless, and go if God leads you to go. And, and let's, uh, let's just enjoy what God's gifted us to do as we surrender to him. And let's get judgment out of our bodies. Okay, let's get it out of our lives and enjoy the beauty of what God has for us when we do. Father, thank you for the blessing of your word again. Thank you for this story. Thank you for the people that you place in our lives, Father, in this church that have surrendered themselves to you and are, are wanting and desiring God to walk with you in, in, in real and personal ways. And Father, I just pray that you will accomplish these things in us that we, that we talked about today. That, that you would stretch us, God, in, in anything that is rivaling your will for our lives. Recognizing, Lord, that the, root, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. God, we know what that feels like. I pray that you'll challenge us in that today, that people in this congregation would give big, Lord, as you lead them to give big and would trust you for taking care of them. And, we, and I pray for miracles in their lives, God, not, not because they earned it, but just because you are a provider. You take care of us. Father, I pray that you change our values if, you, if need be, that, Father, you would, you would give us a deeper heart for, for the community. It would cause us to see the, the needs of others above our own needs. And God, if there's anyone here that you are calling to go, I just pray that you would finish that call in their hearts. Give them a willingness today, God, that this would be a moment for them right now that they would surrender today to your call and begin to seek out your plan for them. And Father, that you would strengthen them in that. And Father, in those places where, where we are struggling, God, with division, with people who are trying to seek you, God, I just pray that you give us wisdom in that. That we wouldn't judge, God, that you would take judgment out of our hearts and give us an a optimistic spirit for the, for the lives of people that, that we love that might be going a different direction than us. We pray for unified division among the body of Christ in this town. In Jesus' name, amen.